All right. So as I was indicating a few moments ago, what we're going to do this morning is uh, kind of look at the, the leadership structure, uh, the elders' role and other uh, roles within the church, uh, and then look at the vision and kind of an update on the, the vision that uh, we are in the middle of. Some of you had the opportunity to participate in a class led by the elders that was back uh, several months ago before the elder selection process. And what we're doing this morning is a follow-up on that session just to kind of give you an update and let you know uh, where we are and allow you to ask questions and, and just clarify things that may not be clear uh, at this point. So uh, with the recent addition of, uh, of new elders, and there were 19 new elders added, we have a total of 36 elders now which we're not used to, and in, in our tradition, in our tribe, there are very few churches that have that many elders, so figuring out a model and how to function with 36 elders is kind of a, a challenge, and we have uh, developed a structure and approach, and that's part of what we will share with you this morning. Uh, and looking at scripture and trying to understand the, the role of an elder, the role of a shepherd, uh, where we've uh, concluded basically that there are three primary roles. One is a pastoral role, uh, one is a theology role, and one is a governance role. Now those may not be the best terms to describe them, but they describe the three functions. Uh, that is kind of the, the shepherding role, the pastoral role of taking care of the body or ministering to the body, the theology role, of uh, looking at and making decisions about uh, major theology issues and directions and how it impacts how we function as a church and then just the the governance and by governance meaning decisions that have to be made on a regular basis so i'm going to walk through that and describe how we have uh, concluded those roles make sense at least here at otter creek so all elders serve in a pastoral role, and this is the role that we tend to put most of the emphasis. Although all three are important, uh, this is where we, we spend a lot of our time. Each elder shepherds a flock of approximately 15 households. Now, one of the great things about having 36 elders and a church of uh, 15, 1800 people is with 36 elders, those flocks get smaller than they were before. So an elder has a, a better chance of being able to minister to that flock with a smaller group, and that's one great blessing of having the additional, uh, additional elders. Now, you may ask, so how was I assigned to the particular flock that I was assigned to? And some of you stayed in the same uh, flock that, with the same elder that you already with. There was also an effort to uh, uh, and put life groups together. That didn't happen in all instances, but at least that was an objective. Hopefully you got an email, and if you read the email, uh, you, you may have uh, know exactly who your uh, flock elder is. Uh, if not, we can certainly uh, let you know that. Uh, being assigned to a flock, though, does not make that person your uh, elder, and that's the only elder you can go to. It's simply a structure to try to be sure that people do not fall through the cracks. 
Uh, and with this many people, that's really easy to happen. So we do the, the flock structure. But you can go to any elder if you have a question, an issue. You're not constrained in any sense to the, to the flock elder. Uh, it's the, the, the pastoral function is the primary agenda item of the monthly all elders meeting. Now in the past, and I had the opportunity to work with the elders over a number of, of years when I wasn't an elder, but, but serving in, in different roles. And back when Big John was uh, an elder that you all would remember, and probably Tom and, and just uh, Hugh Keaty and some of that, that group. And, and that was a group of seven or eight people and elders at that time. Uh, and at those meetings, you, you discussed, they discussed everything, and they, like most churches, got into issues around what color the bathroom should be painted, and, and you know how it goes in, in typical elders' meetings. And our, our role has really evolved since then. But those meetings were a lot about the business of the church. Uh, but in the elders meetings that we have now, once a month, it's the, the first Thursday of every month. So uh, Thursday, this past Thursday night, we met as a whole group. And there are reports about the activities of the, the church, but the primary agenda item is prayer time and the pastoral role and talking about the issues that are important pastoral issues uh, within the church. So know that when your elders are meeting, that once a month meeting, uh, the primary time, the primary focus is on pastoral issues. And the focus primarily is on prayer. So at uh, our April the 6th meeting, we prayed over every Otter Creek household at that meeting. On the May 4th, just uh, this last Thursday, we prayed over the 231 teens at Otter Creek and then we pray over uh, individual prayer requests that come in. If you were here last Sunday, uh, if you remember Josh asked people who wanted to to write on a prayer request and come and put it in the, the wall that uh, was at the front of the church uh, last Sunday. And prayer requests that come in like that and come in through other ways, we pray over those individually. Now it's not all 36 elders praying over, we break up into small groups or we couldn't cover uh, that much ground, but we do pray, spend a significant time, actually most of the agenda, if you look at the biggest agenda item is that prayer time. Wednesday nights, uh, elders pray also in the, in the prayer room. There's a subgroup of uh, elders that gather, pray over two of the flocks and then prayer requests that have come in that week, other prayer requests and prayer needs. And then Sunday mornings is elder prayer time. There are elders in the prayer room at the end of first service and second service and things like this morning, uh, the, uh, the, the young couple that just has uh, a, a real need, the elders uh, were informed that they were coming and those who could uh, gathered to pray, I, I think what uh, just happened, Tom was a part of that, uh, praying over that. So if you, uh, if you think about the elders at Otter Creek, one of the things that we want you to think about is that there's real attention to the body, to the pastoral role, and a tremendous amount of time that is spent uh, in prayer. That's just the, the structure, and if you, uh, if you look at how we function, that's where uh, lots of the attention is. 
Theology is another uh, uh, specific function. And there's a subgroup of approximately six to nine elders who focus on theology issues. And when I say theology issues, uh, that are, that's um, major issues that come up in the body uh, over, over years. And uh, here at Otter Creek, there's been uh, the, the issue of, uh, of music and worship time. And that's an important issue. And as you know, over the last few years, we've gone through a transition there. Uh, roles, women's role within the church. That's um, a, an issue that the elders spent tremendous amount of time studying over a period of time. I was actually a part of the theology group back when we went through that study. We spent um, a group of us, that was the theology group at that time, about a year looking at and diving very deep into to that subject. We'd meet uh, on Sunday mornings about seven o'clock uh, and go through, go through that, uh, that study. Uh, there's also an, a, a focus at this point on looking at trends and recommending issues. In the past, the theology group has kind of been reactionary. Well, this is an issue, this is a, a big uh, topic that is uh, uh, being discussed at Otter Creek today and we need to look at it and, and figure out how we're going to address it. What we're trying to be now is more proactive and say, what are the trends, what's coming? What do the elders need to be paying attention to in terms of, of uh, theology? What are the types of things we're gonna to have to be addressing in a year or two or three years down the road? So we're both um, addressing the big issues as we see them, but also the things that are, are coming. Now, it's important to know that that six or nine elders do not make the decisions around these theology issues. It's their job to study the issues and study them in depth and then come to all of the elders. Uh, now 36 elders and that group will make the decision. All of the elders be involved in making those decisions. Uh, so that's, the, that's kind of the theology function and how that is working at this point. The last area is governance, uh, and the governance elders are a subgroup of nine elders who make routine decisions formally made by the elders as a, uh, as a body. Uh, you just simply cannot have 36 elders making every decision that comes up. If, if they tried to, it would be a meeting to 6 a.m. Uh, every, every meeting. It would have to be meeting a lot more frequently than, uh, much more frequently than we meet at this point. So what we've done is simply said we would take a group, a smaller group, and that group would deal with the decisions that have to just be made on a routine basis, and then would report out those decisions at the monthly elders' meetings to all of the elders so that uh, they would be informed on, on those types of, of decisions. Uh, meet at least once a month, we're meeting uh, twice a month now, and then uh, try to communicate the issues, uh, as we said, on a regular basis at the elders' meetings, both uh, in emails as well as, as at, the, uh, at the elders' meetings. Then the, the final group is that we've got the three subgroups, except one of those, the pastoral, is all elders. And then the elders as a body meet monthly for brief updates from the governance and theology groups and staff and uh, then move to pastoral issues. Uh, the elders function as a body make these decisions, uh, important theological decisions, 
church budget decisions, the annual budget recommended by the MCC. And the MCC does the work, and in this case, it's pretty much just an approval. The elders do not spend uh, lots of time going into the budget, as you might see in, in uh, some churches. But we do have a, a, we are the formal board when you look in a legal sense, so we do have responsibility for how the funds of the church are used, so we have the responsibility for making that final decision. And then if there are major capital campaigns, which are not gonna come up very frequently, but when those come up, then the elders as a body will make those decisions because they have real strategic uh, importance to the church. Then hiring decisions for preaching and executive ministers, those are among the most important decisions that a church will make. We do not, our elders as a body, do not make the decisions around the other positions within the church, but those two are uh, the responsibility of all, all elders. And then vision-related decisions, where we're headed. There, there'll be decisions over the next few years, we'll max out this building, and where do we go? Do we plan another church? What, what do we do? Those are major vision types of decisions that have to be made. And those are, when we think about vision, those are the types of things that, uh, that we will be looking at. Now, um, there are some guiding principles that, and I'm gonna go through these guiding principles and I'm gonna stop and, and get, your, uh, get your thoughts and questions. Uh, first of all, we're an elder-led church. Uh, each of the subgroups that I mentioned have a, a chair and a chair-elect. I don't think I, I talked about who's uh, in those roles, but the governance group, Ken Switzer, is the chair, and uh, Fred Ewing is the chair-elect. Uh, Tom, you may have to help me here. The theology group is Matt Hearn, and then Joey Harwell is the chair-elect of that group. And then the pastoral group uh, is Don Portell is the chair, and Pat Bennett is the chair-elect. Did I get it right? Yes. All right, and then the chair, chair of the elders overall is Mike Cagle, and then uh, Ken Switzer will, is the chair-elect. The chair of the governor's group then will move into, the, into that chair role. Uh, as I indicated, we operate from a principle of being an elder-led church. If you read church growth literature, it's going to talk about uh, the fact that as churches grow, there tends to be a movement from being elder-led or volunteer-led, we're all volunteers, we're not paid staff, to staff-led. And so you will see a model where the, the senior preacher, senior minister is almost in a CEO type role, and then the elders, deacons, are in more of a support role, advisory role. And we have chosen to remain an elder-led church even though we have become a, a pretty large church and have no uh, plans to move to a different model other than remaining an elder-led church. But it does mean that a lot of decisions that used to be made by the elders sitting in that room, uh, making almost all decisions, over time, a lot of those decisions are made by the staff. You simply cannot, in, a, in something as large and complex as Otter Creek has become, 
the elders can't make all of those decisions. So if you look at it over time, you'll see a migration to more decisions made by staff. But we have stuck with the principle of being an, an elder-led church. Uh, we also realize that if we're going to function effectively, and I'm, I want to I just uh, comment here, sometimes you hear complaints that we're just trying to be a business. We're not trying to be a business. We're not trying to, to uh, become a, uh, a corporation. But we do have a responsibility to use our resources, our people resources, our financial resources, as effectively, effectively as we can for the work of this body. So we want to be organized uh, and have clear decision making and not spend time in debate over whose role or whose responsibility as certain things are. So there, there are different roles and we, a number of years ago, started using what has become known as the matrix. And if you've been around Otter Creek for some time, you probably heard the word, the matrix. Uh, and what it does is it simply lays out the different roles, elders, the elder subgroups we talked about, uh, the MCC, the ministry leaders, uh, different minister roles and staff roles and, uh, and the congregation. And then it shows different decisions that need to be made. And then we look at, so who does what in each of those? So this is a, um, this is a slide. Uh, you'll be tested on this at the end. It's actually an eye test. The next time you go to the eye doctor, this is what they're using. So what you have across the top, and actually I'm going to, to do this for you, uh, is you have the different groups. The elders as a body, the governance groups, the theology groups, the MCC. And then here are two examples of decisions, building use policy. Another decision is vision. We do not have all of the decisions listed, but they're examples. So if you look at the vision, you'll see a D, which if you look at the code, that's decide makes the decision. The recommendation comes from the preaching minister and the governance elders to the elders as a body regarding uh, do, we, do we plant a church? Do we try to expand in this area? How do we grow as we continue to grow? Do we add a third service, a fourth service, a fifth service here? How do we do that? Do we plant? Those are decisions that will have to be made in the future under the, the vision. You'll see the, the P as providing input to those decisions. Uh, sometimes you'll see an I which there's no involvement in, in a formal sense. Now most of the individuals who are administrative staff are members, and as members they provide, but in their role as administrative staff, there's no formal role of providing input. If you look at the building use policy, the D, the decision, decide is the MCC makes that decision, not the elders. The elders are informed, the theology elders as theology elders have no role in that. Having an N is as important in many instances as the other decisions. So it doesn't mean that those elders do not have an involvement because it, they're all elders as a body, so they're informed, but as theology elders, there's, there's no role. 
So what that is, is just two examples. And what we've tried to do is take examples of different kinds of decisions that the church has to make and then lay out, okay, who, who's gonna decide this? And when you do not have this, then it's just lots of, of negative conflict. Conflict's not always bad, but it can become very negative. You waste time, you waste resources, and you do not make good decisions. So this is a tool that has been very helpful to the, uh, to the church over, uh, over many years. It continues to evolve. We continue to add, uh, add to it. Uh, elder leadership roles and subgroups are not uh, intended to be power positions, but they can become that. Uh, they're tended to be uh, facilitate functioning and decision making, but in, in order for them not to become power positions, we rotate the roles on a regular basis. So the, the elders in the governance group, those will rotate. The chair and the chair elect. The chair is uh, one-year position, the chair-elect is a one-year position, so you, we have lots of people serving in different leadership roles and there's not a, a position or person or group that's simply, for a period of time, they have the responsibility, but not over a long period of time. Uh, we try to make important decisions as consensus decisions. Uh, so there may be internal disagreement and debate, and we hope there is, because there are a lot uh, a lot of bad decisions are made because there wasn't enough debate on the front end. Probably more bad decisions made that way than because there was too much debate and conflict. So we look for uh, internal disagreement, debate to make a decision, uh, but we want to get to a point that we're all on the same page. And getting to consensus, it requires time and persistence. And you think about 36 people getting to a consensus of what to have for lunch, much less the whether to how to grow the church or women's role or music or whatever the issue. It's challenging, but it's worth the time. And the way we, we think about consensus is we may come to a decision that for me personally, if I were making the decision myself, it would not be the decision I would make. But we've got to get to the point where I can live with that. I can, I'm okay with it. I can live with it. And that's, that's what we work really hard to do uh, because it's critical for the unity of the elders and the unity of the church. Uh, and that's, that's important in any church environment. The fortunate thing is with 36 elders, we're only going to make maybe one or two or three of those big decisions in the course of a year. So we can take the time and effort and energy to be sure that, uh, that we get to that point. Uh, so I want to talk about confidentiality in just a moment, but I'm going to stop and see if you have, uh, have questions. Brian Leeper has uh, joined us, another one of the elders. Uh, if you have any tough questions, Brian or Tom are going to answer them. I'll take the simple questions. So what questions do you have at this point? I just have two simple questions. Um, is that decision-making matrix available to us online somewhere? It is not online, but if you would like to see it, you can, you can see it. We can get a copy for you. I'd, I'd like a copy. I'd like a copy, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Just be sure and let me know or I'll forget, but, or one of us know, and we'll get it. Okay. And then secondly, um, I know there's an email that's titled Elders at Otter Creek. If you have a question, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah, Elders at Otter Creek. Mm -hmm. I was unable to get an answer. Who, does that, who is the person who is actually getting that? Uh, 
I, Brian, help help with this to be sure we get it right. Is it Yeah, and, and sorry, I keep asking the question, and I get, I think it's. We'll get, we'll get absolutely the answer to you, you. Lori. Lori Natterville is on staff, and she handles some of the emails that come in, and then distributes them out. Uh, but we'll. I would like a there are two or three. To yeah. I don't like to just send an email to. I'm okay. Not sure who is okay. It would just come to the elders, or in some cases, Lori Netterville, and that's that's well, it. Well, elders is different than Tom Portel. Yeah. Okay. We'll get that answer for Thank you. you. Be sure we have the right answer. All right. There was. I think there may have been another hand or other questions. I was going to ask for the matrix also. So I'll. I'll okay. Wait. I'll wait. Okay. All right. Let's talk about confidentiality just for a moment. Uh, we've got about 15 minutes left. We want to talk about confidentiality, and then we want to talk about progress on the, um, the vision. So the, the basic principle that we operate under in terms of confidentiality is that uh, we share information among elders as appropriate, uh, but we keep information confidential uh, outside the elders. In other words, it stays within the elders and, and sharing it outside the elders is, uh, that's very important to us and very critical. I'm going to hand out in just a moment the, the confidentiality policy. If you recently went through, and recently actually it's over the last few years, uh, the, one of the new member classes, you got a copy of the confidentiality policy as part of that new member class. Jerry and Sandy probably have never seen the confidentiality policy because I'm not sure we've handed it out other than in new member classes. But uh, what you will see in that is basically uh, saying that elders and staff and counseling volunteers uh, uh, really want to treat your struggles with care and sensitivity. That's, the, that's kind of the guiding principles. But confidentiality in this context has its limits. Now, uh, my wife Karen works at Agape, and when you're in a professional counseling setting, there are very stringent confidentiality uh, policies there. Brian, as a physician, operates under very specific confidentiality rules in the, in the medical field, and the, the counseling field have that. We have a little bit different. We're still uh, have some of those same uh, constraints and issues, uh, but we operate a, a little bit differently. First of all, there are the, the legal boundaries around things like if, uh, if there uh, tends to be evidence that either you're a danger to others or a danger to yourself, then the confidentiality rules are different and, and there are, in fact, the obligations to report those types of things. Um, when you get in, what's the other, uh, rule in terms of confidentiality you would be under? Well, if, if uh, as a person of authority in, 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 in my role, in any authority, uh, authority role in any organization, if we hear that uh, or suspect that there's some type of physical or sexual yeah. abuse, yeah. we're obligated by law to report that. Right. To the and that would apply to us. 
Yes. Huge, yeah. Huge in my field. So, and that applies to us as Every well. Every person is obligated. Yeah. In the, the some cases, the wisdom of multiple, multiple elders or ministers or elders' wives are important. So we're not professional counselors. That's not what we do. And so in some cases, it's very helpful. In fact, we see it as a responsibility in many cases to consult with and talk with other elders and get their advice and get their input and in how situations like this have been handled in the past or ministers are in some cases elders' wives. Elders' wives are not specifically mentioned in the policy that you'll see and, and elders have discretion in terms of sharing information with their wives and in some cases may choose not to because it might put the, the wife in a difficult position with certain uh, circumstances, but in other cases may choose because the elder's wife has perspective and insight that the elder does not have. So every situation is kind of, of different there, but they are constrained by the same confidentiality uh, constraints that we have. Uh, when other Otter Creek members are involved in a situation, or when other Otter Creek members maybe have gone through a similar type situation, someone who's going through infertility or whatever the issue is, there are others that may have gone through that and can be helpful to you. Uh, and kind of, the, kind of the guiding principle is we want to respect your confidentiality, but even more than that, we want to be sure that you get the help that you need. If you are coming and saying, that under no circumstances do I want you to share this information with anyone else, we're probably going to respond by saying it, you would probably get better help by going to a professional counselor who is trained to help you in those kind of situations because we ultimately have to make decisions about whether we can really be helpful without getting other input and other advice. But this is a very uh, critical issue to us. You may have uh, some questions, but this is the, the policy that we operate under. And just want you to have a, have a copy and oops, have access to it. Thanks, Brian. All right, thank you. All right, you can, uh, can read over that, and if you have questions, um, ask Brian or Tom or myself or any of the elders, but uh, for sake of time, we're going to, uh, to move on and look at the vision and kind of progress uh, toward the vision. This was a vision, I believe it was created the 1st of 2015, so we are, uh, we're, we're not quite at the end, but I guess we're a little bit over halfway through the vision. And what, uh, we won't have time to go through the full vision, so I'm gonna focus in on what's highlighted in red. Uh, this is what is our vision for spiritual growth, maturity, and community. And the bullet that we have highlighted here is, is to strengthen our participation in community. Adult Bible classes, life groups, mentoring groups, cross-generational group, and opportunities to serve. Um, and I would be interested in your thoughts on how we're doing on that, but I'm going to show you just a little bit of data. Uh, life groups, right now, 2017, we have 63 active life groups. In 2015, uh, adult Bible classes averaged 238 adults, 
for the first quarter. So we compare apples to apples. 2017, we averaged 414 adults uh, in adult Bible study. Now this is, that looks like, that is great growth. And one of the great things was the addition of the additional classes. By finishing out the addition back here, we open up classrooms. It used to be you couldn't, even if you wanted to go to class, in some instances, you couldn't get in. You'd go to the door and stand in the back. And so that's one of the things that has accounted for that. But that's, uh, uh, that's pretty significant growth from 15 to 17. I'm not sure what that percentage would be, but that's a, that's a big percentage. Worship attendance in 15 was 1,281 in the first quarter, and now we're averaging 1,358 in first quarter. As you can see, the, the Bible study went up by a larger percent than overall uh, attendance did. What is the function of the life groups? The life groups, when you're, that's a great question. A great question. When you're in a church with 13 or 1,500 people, 1,300 uh, attending, you just don't, you just don't know everybody. You can't know everybody. So one way to think about it, it's a little church in a big church. And so it's, if you, I grew up in a little country church, and on Wednesday nights we might have 40 or 50, 60 people. So life groups are a little bit smaller than that now, but it's, it's almost like going back to that small church where you can know people get together, you can pray with each other, you know your need, their needs, you can, if meals are needed, they're just, and there's a, another formal method of, of getting people to meals, but you can take care of each other and know each other and develop relationships, where sometimes you just get lost in a big, in a big but church. But there's no Bible study related to life groups, it's just yes. right. Yes. Yeah. There, there, there is, there, uh, some life groups are prayer-based, uh, and uh, where the, there's prayer, like in, in ours, ours developed into a group of uh, uh, people praying for each other's families and children. We've, we've studied scripture. Uh, at times, we've uh, used study guides from the sermon from, from the previous Sunday. Yeah. They're, they're not all uniform, but that's certainly uh, an important part. Some just different approaches, like Brian's saying. All right. Okay, the second vision area is um, want Otter Creek to be known for our deeds as much as our beliefs. Uh, and the, what we have highlighted in red here is more effectively embrace love, embrace love and serve our immediate communities, Britwood, Williamson County, and Nashville. And then it gives ways to expand Wayne, Wayne Reed Christian Child Care Center, the Well House, and new ministries. Let me ask you, how do you think we're doing in, in that area? I think you're doing better than a lot of other churches, I think. But that's helpful. Okay. All right. Other thoughts? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Being new, um, I've heard a lot of information about those things, okay. and I've noticed there's been a lot of emphasis on reaching out into the community, so I've been pretty impressed with it. Okay, okay. I, I think we're, we're doing fair. Okay. I think there's a lot of room for improvement. Okay. One area that I 
like to see is I'd really like to see the life groups serving okay. as life groups. I think that's a really effective way to cohese the groups. Yeah. I mean, people who serve together. Yeah. Really and some a do. relationship there that right. you can't really get in any other way, I think. Um, so... There's lots of opportunity to grow that. Some life groups do like room in the end together, things like that, but there's lots of opportunity to, uh, to grow there. Let me just show a couple of, uh, I think, relatively uh, recent thing. There is a shadow on this. I'm trying to find a place where I can see it better, but uh, a partnership uh, with a clinic is being formed. Uh, we hope to create an entry point for members to become involved with immigrants and refugees, providing support and encouragement as they integrate into our communities. Uh, and then uh, another is uh, we have a deficit of knowledge and preparedness in serving families impacted by disabilities. To curb this deficit, we will offer special needs awareness training to all volunteers and ministers from hospitality to adult class teachers. We hope to improve our ministry to families impacted by disability. Have you ever considered a staff member who was a registered nurse? Someone who... <laughs> I don't know anything about it. <laughs> someone who would make sure that Lowell was called once a day by somebody, that Marge was called once a day by somebody, to make sure they're okay in their homes alone, and uh, to then contact the volunteers specifically. Yeah. You need to run over there. You're close to Marge. You're close to Lola. You're close yeah. to Wayne Reed. Uh, you need to... Yeah, great point. Yeah, Jane. Um, I've gotten certified as a faith community nurse. I have talked to staff, the MCC, about a healthcare ministry. Um, I have talked to some specific people um, about getting on this healthcare ministry team. Um, I'm trying to launch it. Good. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just developing right now, which is a which is a great opportunity. And what you described is a. I'm getting ready to be If you don't know Jerry and Sandy, they have served this church over years. It's time you be served a little bit. <laughs> Jerry? I want, I want to just say to people, we've been here 40 years, and, and <clears throat> this has always been a church. Even before we came, we knew where ideas could bubble up and, and not be top down. One of the things that attracted us and still attracts us to Otter Creek. So I, let, let me say, don't be intimidated by the formalism of the structure yeah. that Bill is presenting. A lot of thought has gone into this, and it is a genuine uh, thought. But if you have an idea, like Margie Roeder had an idea for a Care Bears ministry to get together and so, or uh, uh, Susie Parker and Sandra and several others had an idea for a memory garden. 
And that, those things are bubble up ideas that have grassroots. Yes, right. So I do not have to present our last slide because that's exactly what it, what it says. That's a great, no, it's a great point. And that's yeah. what, the way this church has functioned, like Jerry said, for years and years. Uh, two more points, we're about, about out of time, so cover them real quickly. Uh, we want to demonstrate our love and concern for each other, encouraging the shepherds and their wives to be more visible and personally uh, connected to every member. And I was going to spend some time asking you, how are we doing there? But we need to, to move on. If you have feedback there, please, uh, please provide it. Kind of the last area is we want to create a thriving, growing community, freer from debt and thus freer to minister. And the, <clears throat> the bullet point that is highlighted is eliminate all debt. So here's where we are with that. January 15, we had 3.2 million in debt. But at the end of April of 17, it was 2.7, and we're projecting by December of 18 to be debt-free. And what that will mean is it frees up 500,000 each year for new ministries to strengthen our existing ministries and to broaden our out outreach worldwide. So that is a, that's a big deal for this church. We end up getting debt-free at the end of, uh, end of 18, just the money that it frees up for other, other types of things. You see what's happened in terms of uh, Bible study attendance because we have more classes and the, the facilities for the, the children and all of that, really critical, but getting out from under that will be really important. How you can help, share your prayer needs with us, Wednesday night and Sunday mornings in the prayer room, email us your prayer request, prayer at ottercreek.org, and we're gonna know exactly who that goes to. Uh, and I think that one goes to Lori Natterville, who then distributes, I know that goes to Lori Natterville, and then distributes to all of us, and, and Don. Uh, and elders meetings the first Thursday of every month. We had a family come this last Thursday night. The elders prayed over them. Uh, share your ministry ideas with us to pass on to the MCC. Now that's an MCC role, but you can give them to us. Otter Creek has a long history of grassroots inspired ministries per Jerry Collins. Uh, give, give Jerry credit there. We're, we're kind of out of time, so we'll not ask you to give us others. But are there any general questions or comments? Because we are at... There's also a, a, an email address that goes elders at Otter Right. Yes, there is. Right. That's, a, that's a different type of thing. And I'm, I'm a lot less familiar with that one, and I should be yeah. familiar with it. They've just... Yeah, the, the elders at Otter Creek... We'd have to get the, the clarification between the two. One of them, Lori sees the other, she does not to be, and we'll have to clarify that, sorry. I, to keep, to make us, make you visible, what's the chance, for example, that our life group could invite four elders that our general group doesn't know very well to come one night to our life oh. group and then kind of work our way through the life then that's what a, do you do about your life groups? That's <laughs> that, a, that would have you moving through 63 life groups. But still, that's a great idea. And you yeah. wouldn't do it all the time, but yeah, that's a great idea. Okay. Yeah, do it. That, that's, that's a wonderful idea. Tom's there tonight. He's, he's food served, so he's going to be there. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a good idea. And uh, other points? Thank you for being here. Thank you for... Uh, letting us kind of update you on where we are and really appreciate your questions and involvement.
Thanks. Thank you.